0: Alright, next storyteller. It's next storyteller. Your next storyteller. Our next, storyteller. Our next storyteller. Hello and welcome to the Narrators. This podcast collects stories from our live events where people share true stories based on a theme. Today's story comes from the narrator's co-host, Aaron Rollman. This story was recorded live on October 17th, 2018. The theme of the evening was guts. So uh Here's the thing about me is that I think that I have guts, uh, specifically related to guts things. Like, I think I'm super brave when it comes to medical stuff. Uh, I'm not scared of needles, and I think all the medical things are interesting, and anybody who's a long-time regular of the show knows that I happily donated my kidney to a stranger, and I had a lot of fun in that process. It was, like, genuinely a fun experience, Um I've had blood drawn from all of the places because my veins aren't super good. So they've had to go into all parts of my body to draw blood and I don't mind about all those things. I still, if anybody's keeping track in the audience, I still have an arm of an IUD (laughs) stuck in my uterus despite the fact that they tried to scrape it out both while I was awake and not numb and then later during actual surgery, and they put me under. But it's still in there. No big deal. <laughs> so that stuff doesn't bother me. So... um When my girlfriend was preparing for her gender confirmation surgery, known colloquially in the trans community as bottom surgery and known colloquially in the cis community as the surgery, um, because we seem to consistently fail to understand that there is not just one surgery that a trans person might want to have, or might not want to have. That's totally up to them. They might not want any surgeries, et cetera, et cetera. So we're on the same page <laughs> on that. So, so she was preparing for her gender confirmation surgery. Um, and this is uh, on, in mid-September, uh, just this last month. Um, and I tried to be really calm presence for her um, because I'm, like, super brave about surgery stuff, and it's no big deal. And I've had surgeries, and she hasn't. And so I was like, I'm going to be this person that is really solid for her through this really, like, obviously an anxiety-inducing time. Um, of course, the problem is if you're just, by your very nature, not upset by surgery, it's hard to even understand how to help someone through it because being like, it's no big deal, doesn't help. That's like <laughs> a totally garbage thing to say to someone who is in a total panic about the whole situation. Um, So she was particularly upset about the idea of having an IV, like having something stuck in her arm for several days was something that like conceptually, like really did not make her very happy. Um, So, you know, I tried to be like, well, the thing about an IV is really shortly after they get it in, you're gonna fall asleep. Because that they're putting the medicine right in there and you're not going to remember anything. And then you're going to wake up and the IV is going to be literally the least of your problems. So it's like no big deal. Which I still think is true. And to be fair, I think she would even say that now. But it was not helpful to say in advance. Like, it's not, like that's not helpful. So... So on the day of the surgery, um, the, like the nurse is prepping to put her IV in, and I know that this is like, the moment that is really freaking her out. And so I was like, do you want me to hold your hand? Um, because I've got guts, and um, I'm like gonna be a really calming presence for her. Um, and so she says yes, and so I stand up and I'm holding her left hand while the nurse is prepping to put the IV in her right wrist. And when the nurse puts it in, Mia, like, gasps, and her whole body spasms. I mean, like, she freaks out in a way that I feel pretty confident the nurse had not dealt with before, because she was <laughs> not prepared for that, you know? It was, like, it was, it was very violent and frightening, and um, it knocked all of the, um, like, the blood uh, vials around and you know so the nurse is trying to like stop those from falling off and to her credit she gets it in like the fir- like on that try she got the the needle and then the you know IV in and and she's trying to hold that and trying to grab all of the vials and she's telling me like you need to relax you absolutely have to relax and I'm like right you know <laughs> So I say, you know, like I'm holding her hand and I was like, honey, you really, you do, you know, you do have to relax your whole body so that she can finish what she's doing. And then I fainted. (laughs) Yeah, it was not cool. So I made a difficult situation like a million times harder. So remember, I'm holding on to Mia's hand, and she's supposed to be relaxing as she's trying to hold me up because my body is falling next to her, and the nurse is way too busy to deal with me, and so she's like screaming for another nurse to come in and help me. And I will say that to my credit... Right before I fell, I mumbled, I'll be all right. (laughs) So that nobody would worry, which is exactly how fainting does not work. Because everyone worries when you just fall to the ground. Like, it doesn't matter if you've been like, you know, no, I'll be all right. It's like, no. It seriously doesn't matter what you say right before you faint. Like, people are like, this isn't cool. And also, to my credit, I fell really gently. Like, I fell really carefully <laughs> <laughs> to the ground. I put in... I knew it was coming up, so I put in my best stage combat skills, and I was like, ooh, like a, gra- a graceful drop to the ground. And the second I hit the floor, it, I cleared up, and I was fine again. Um... So all I remember, I mean, what I remember from the moment is that I was, you know, holding her hand, and I started feeling really nauseous and then super dizzy. And what I didn't do was sit down or tell anybody what it was about to happen because I knew what was about to happen, but I didn't say anything useful out loud um, because I didn't want to cause a fuss. LAUGHTER so I was like, it's cool. I'll just work through this disease spell that I'm having. And then, you know, I fell and cleared up, and I popped right up, and I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Um, so I think the most obvious and for, tr- for sure true explanation of what happened there was that the theater person in me was like, why isn't this more about me? You know? <laughs> I was like, you know what this scene needs? Some more drama. And then I also wanted juice, you know? So I got it. Like, that's what... So I'm like, it just it's an extravagant way to get juice in a hospital, you know? You're like, I'm feeling a little parched. Just go down. So... Also, I will admit, probably also in play, was that I was jet-lagged. We had just literally flown in from overseas the night before. And I was in an emotionally charged situation and um, on the brink of a small cold. And And this is where it gets a little bit cheesy. And it is likely my way of justifying being the least gutsy person in that room. But it really did feel like this. Um, So even though I was jet lagged and on the brink of a cold and vying for attention, um, (laughs) I think in the moment, like connected physically to her and watching her in pain, I was in a highly empathetic space. And it was like watching someone that you care about. It's so, you know, it's different to get things stuck in you than it is to, you know, watch people that you care about go through something painful and something scary and it felt really powerful and so on some level I was like I fainted so she didn't have to you know like I was like I'm gonna take it for the team here and again I'm not trying to it was not helpful like I'm not trying to justify like I made you know I heightened a kerfuffle which is not like a cool thing to do um so admittedly, I was maybe, it was maybe a little too empathetic in that moment. But I'll say this, that I will take too much empathy over no empathy any day of the week, right? And that's one of the things that I love about the narrators is I feel like it's a time where you really get to bask in the humanity of others and really reflect on your own humanity. And in a world... ah. Um, oh, Dang it. I was telling a funny story. But I think in a, in a world that is, so, um, that is so prepared to demonize my girlfriend and her trans siblings, um, that's so ready to take their humanity away at all times. Like, I don't know how many of you people saw the story about... The trans child who wasn't allowed to go into either locker room during a school safety drill. I couldn't even read the story. I just saw the headline. But I was like, that hurts my heart too much. I can't read it. Because I just don't know how. How I can't imagine how you could tell a child that their life isn't even worth practicing to keep safe. Like, you, you don't even get to practice like you're gonna make it through a dangerous situation, and um, uh, statistically, violence against uh, trans people, particularly trans women of color, um, is is uh, through the roof right now. Um, uh, there are statistics that are worth looking up. It's really, um, uh, it's horrible. Uh, violence is happening at alarming rates in that community because uh, cis comfort is more important than uh, trans life, and that is unacceptable. Um, So, in this world, uh, let's be empathetic, and let's also vote, and let's also uh, not be tolerant of intolerance. And let's be ready to do uh, massive stay at homes or whatever have you because historical studies show that it takes 3.5% of a population engaged in sustained nonviolent resistance to topple a dictatorship. True statistic. And let's be prepared to leverage our privileges to benefit those who need it. And let's amplify signals and let's all sorts of other things like faint for each other. And that's the end of my rant. Is what, what started out as a story, I'm going to admit, turned into a rant. You're welcome. The Narrators was created by Andrew Orvidal and is produced by me, Ron Doyle, Sydney Crane, and Aaron Rollman, with support from Scott Carney, Karen Wachtel, Jesse Witten, and Robert Rutherford. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Bumport Theatre Company, Illegal Pete's, From the Hip Photo, and Great Divide Brewing Company. Our theme music is by Whalehawk. We'd also like to thank Teacup Gorilla, who provided the music you're listening to right now, and fans just like you, who attend our live monthly shows, which take place every third Wednesday of the month at Bumport Theater in Denver, Colorado. For more information about our storytellers or the narrators, visit thenarrators.org and find, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.